Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. We're going to talk about the list. And the list is actually just the name of this program because there's a couple of lists that I want to go over with you. And those lists are lists that uh, people have put together in order to establish a free nation under God, a free government under God, a free people under God. And that uh, nation is is almost gone in the world today. Uh, the United States is not a free government. It's not a free nation. The people are not in control. The people are not in power. The people are not the government of the of the people, by the people, and for the people. They are actually a subject lot, worse than they were when they were in the bondage of Egypt. And no, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those who believe they are free. So I had to let you know you are not free now in the United States, in America. You're not free in Canada. You're not free in Australia. You're not free in China. You're not free in England. You are all subjects. And you can want to boast all you want that you're a free people, but you are not. And the truth is, you don't even deserve to be free because you've been slothful, and the slothful should be under tribute. That's what the Bible tells you in Proverbs. The slothful should be under tribute. And that's where you are. And you should be there. You don't own your land. You don't own your children. You you don't own the first fruits of your labor. And you, most of you aren't even going to own the, the end of your labor. <laughs> You're completely in bondage. Worse than anything that ever took place in Egypt. Despite what you saw in the movies. And people are dying. Daily. Because of that. They're being worked to death. Their children are being aborted because of the economic pressures of bondage. And... Uh, and you, you're not doing anything about it. And so you should you are condemned by your own apathy, by your own actions, by your own deeds. You are condemned. And there's nothing you can do about it but repent. And when you repent, you get the chance to start turning around and going another way than the way that brought you to this bondage. And when you go that other way that has brought you into this bondage, then... God can run out and meet you halfway. But you have to actually turn around and start being a doer of the word. And you're not a doer of the word now. And part of that is because of the false religious teachings that are coming at you in your churches. And you're actually paying men to lie to you. To tickle your ears and to tell you that you're okay and that you're saved because you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Savior... Well, day by day by day, you do absolutely contrary to what Christ said. If you're doing contrary to what Christ said, you have not accepted Jesus. Your salvation is not real. It is conjured up in your emotions and the support of men who are tickling your ears and seducing you into the dark side of the universe known as hell. And you need to repent of that. 
And once you repent and turn around and start going the other way, you won't be able to go all the way. I mean, you have gone so far away from Christ, you will not be able to get back without divine intervention. And that's the grace of, that Christ has promised. And you will have access to that grace, but you have to actually repent. John the Baptist said repent. The apostles said repent. Constantine said you didn't have to repent. You just get baptized. So you, you must be in Constantine's church. You're not in Christ's church. You've gone into Constantine's church and you are far from Christ. So now you need to turn around. And you need to know what that looks like. Did I turn around? Or am I just spinning my wheels in the same place? And so... I was on a conservative group that somebody kind of put me on or put me on to and, and uh, I saw a post coming in on a regular basis and and uh, I glanced at them, kind of skimmed them and got a feel for who was on that and then they started talking about something. Somebody posted a list of 26 items that ha- happened to be the principles of liberty, they said. And in there they had things about religion. And moral society, and of course, an atheist on the group immediately complained about that. And we're going to go over that 26-item list eventually, but we're going to start with a four-item list that was posted just recently, and I've been writing an article on the subject. And so I'm going to read some of those things to you and let you know some of the things that you're missing, that you're not going to get anywhere else. I, I mean, I, I know a lot of guys who listen to the radio and stuff, and listen to different shows, and you don't get what you get on this show, on these other shows. It's amazing how little truth is out there. Bits and pieces of it, but bits and pieces of the truth are found in every lie. That's A good lie always uses bits and pieces of the truth. If you are going to make it in the days ahead, if you are going to strive as Christ said to strive, if you are going to seek the kingdom, you need the whole truth. The whole truth. That's absolutely essential. So, we're not going to hold back on anything. We're going to tell you the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And so, God will help you. Because if you don't repent, He's not going to hear your prayers. He's not going to, He said that over and over again in the Bible. I will not hear you in that day. So you have to repent. Repent from what? What was the sin of the people? Well, of course, rejection of God. Uh, Cain rejected God, went out of the presence of God and started a city-state. And he oppressed the people. Lamech oppressed the people. And that's the way they operated. They oppressed the people. And that's what's going on today. You're oppressing your neighbor. You. You. Yeah, you are oppressing your neighbor when you send your kids to public school. You're saying, I want somebody else to pay for my child's education. And you say, oh yeah, I pay in. Yeah, you pay in, but if the, if if you have... Wh- what does it cost to educate a child in Washington, D.C.? It's over $20,000 per student they spend. Do you pay $20,000 in property tax that goes to uh, education? Well, then... Somebody else is picking up your slack. And they're picking it up because if they don't, men with guns will come to their house. You live by the sword. You live by the power of the gun because you send your kids to public education. 
in order for those men to be safe when they come to your neighbor's house to collect for their church called the United States. That's their church. That's, that's where they go to get, get, take care of the needy of their society. They go to men with guns. See, at the church, you don't go to men with guns. We, we will collect and we will distribute what we have to share with others. And we will help them homeschool and we'll help them with home health and all this stuff. You know, in the Bible, it tells you, James tells you, go to the elders of the church if one of you is sick. Doesn't say go to the elders of the government that exercises authority one over the other. They knew they weren't supposed to go there because Christ said it was not to be that way with you. When he appointed the kingdom to the apostles, he said you are not to be like the princes of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other. Every single Christian that goes to the government for benefits is spitting in the face of Christ. They're saying, we want to go to the men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority one over the other. We're going to go and apply to them for our benefits. We don't care that he takes everything he gives us away from our neighbor at the point of a gun. We don't care about that. Besides, we don't need to because we're saved. We believe in Jesus. We don't believe in doing what he says, but we believe in Jesus. Lots of luck with that. You are a members of the the church of Satan. You are doing contrary. You are the adversaries of Christ. You are doing contrary to what Christ said to do. He said, feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. James says, pure religion is taking care of the needy of your society. Unspotted by the constitutional orders and systems of governments of the world. Not depending on those at all. What did you expect was going to happen when you turned your back on God? He told you. He told you. In your country, whatever country you're in, does the government have the right to take the first fruits of your labor? That's because you rejected God. I tell you that in Samuel 8. You reject God, he's going to be able to take the first fruits of your labor. So if that's what's happening in your country, that's because you rejected God. And he says it's going to get worse and worse and worse. He's going to take the first fruits. He's going to take the best of your fields. He's going to take your sons and daughters, for gosh sakes. He's going to expose them to DU. He's going to expose them to toxins and poisons. Uh... And they're going to get sick by the tens of thousands. He said that this was going to happen. And when you cry out, he says, I'm not even going to hear you in that day. But all you have to do is repent. Turn around. Start going the other way. What does that look like? I can tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like what you're doing. Even those people who come to our uh, the living network and start listening to the you know how we got into this mess and start following the the books and audios that we present to show you step by step how you got into this mess they're not doing it most of them are not doing it oh they want to have a little congregational meeting here and there and all this stuff but they're not really doing what Christ said they're not doing what the early church was doing those were real men real women They put their lives on the line for each other daily. 
They pledge their wealth. They pledge their lives. They pledge the blood of their veins for each other in righteousness. They were self-sacrificing individuals with courage, consistency, patience, love, forbearance. They were real Christians. They weren't you, your Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning Christians. They weren't steeped in rituals and and uh, and fables of you know like if we do it this way, if we say these words, if we do this, then we're saved. They had to contend with real persecution, not just inconvenience. Oh, I don't want to do that. Homeschooling—that's so inconvenient. Well, it's inconvenient for God to come to your rescue if it's inconvenient of you to come to the rescue of your neighbor. you got to turn around. You know, the things that made this country great are just disappearing in this nation, and they're disappearing because you're addicted to those benefits that are offered to you by kings who exercise authority one over the other. You call them presidents and prime ministers and, and congressmen and senators. They are they are destroying you as a nation. And it's simply because you won't repent. You won't turn around and do what Christ said. You won't be the church established by Jesus Christ. You have to turn around. What was the first item on the list? He says the only reliable basis for sound government and just human relations is natural law. Yeah, most of you people don't even know what natural law is because you went to public school. We explain it in the book Covenants of the Gods, which you can read free on the net. But I'm not going to go through the whole definition of natural law. But natural law is the law in which contract law begins to operate. Contract law is what you're subject to today because you have made contracts with the government. They were constructive. Some people say they're adhesion. But the fact is either there's a contract there or you're a thief. Either they contractually has a right to take away from your neighbor to provide you with public education, health care, and all the rest. To contract, either they have that right or they don't. If they have that right, then you have a contract. And if you take the benefit, you've got the contract. Call it adhesion you want. People say, I haven't seen the contract. You've taken the benefit. So either you're a thief or you sign the contract. And they get you to sign all kinds of things. You didn't sign the Constitution of the United States. You weren't even a party to it when it was first put into place. The people weren't a party to it. But you're a party to what it created, which is the corporate government. And this goes for the people in Canada. This goes for the people in Australia. This goes everywhere. I'm talking to the whole world. Because the kingdom of God is everywhere. But it's only where men repent and turn around and go the other way. So what is this natural law? Natural law removes the need for hundreds of thousands of statutes and regulations concerning natural relationships and rights. If we were really at natural law without those contracts, covenants, and constitutions, we as individuals were dealing with each other through natural law, Now, natural law is also defined as right reason. But anyway, we'll get to that. There would still be laws needed to regulate some activities of the people. 
corporate laws, because corporations aren't natural beings. They're persons created by the state. And unfortunately, you become a person too, because you've applied for the benefits of the state. At the expense of your neighbor, nonetheless. And that state is in debt. So you can't just say, well, I don't want to be a part anymore. Because while you were a part, it went into debt. You cannot leave without paying that debt. So now what does Christ have to come back and get crucified again? No. You're you're in a mess. But there is a solution. If you start following Christ, he will provide a solution again. He doesn't have to get crucified again, but you might. There would, there's laws that not, and so how does natural law, how do you decide disputes? I mean, there's equity and everything, but that's not a natural law. That's contract law again. Those are systems that are created by the relationships you have with governments. And you've got a lot of relationships with the governments. You can't even stand alone, and it's going to become more and more hard to do so. So you have to learn to come together as individuals and start Finding out what these things mean. A free people claim their rights as derived from the laws of nature and not as a gift of their chief magistrates. Who do you think said that? Who do you think said that? That's Thomas Jefferson. He wrote that in Rights of British America. They they get their rights not from the magistrate, not from the judges, not from the legislature. They get them from the natural law, the law of nature and nature's God. Law is based on simple precepts of known and recognized formats. That's what natural law is based on. You need to understand what those are and how those work. And how, how do you decide disputes at natural law? Well, 12-man jury of your peers from your community. That's how it would be. You don't elect somebody to rule over you, to exercise authority over you. That's a rejection of God. You settle your disputes because you are forgiving people. You, you work these things out because you are seeking it on a regular basis. And that's what they did in ancient Israel. The families gathered together in groups of ten. They picked a minister. That's number eleven. And he picked a minister. That's number twelve. There's your jury. To decide fact and law. And if they decide wrongly, you can appeal up to the other ministers. And they can't, they can't find you guilty. They don't have that power over you. But they can acquit you. Now, that's that's the way that government operated. That's the way it was in America at one time to some degree. But you're far from that. Your juries don't decide fact and law anymore. Why? Because they take oaths contrary to what Jesus said. When I was called for jury duty once, I wouldn't take the oath. They still let me sit in the jury box. When everybody else was taking the oath, I sat down. They knew it. They looked right at me. They just smiled. They knew I didn't have to take that oath. There's no statutory requirement for that oath. But you guys are all a bunch of hoop jumpers. You don't even know what you're doing. But you are in bondage. You're going to have to start acting righteously. 
seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness in the things that you do. Item number two on the list. A free people cannot survive under a republican constitution unless they remain virtuous and morally strong. Now, I could dissect that statement to pieces. Under a republican constitution, what the heck is that? You know, the U.S. Constitution is not a Republican Constitution. It was to guarantee a Republican form of government, but it itself was a democratic, indirect democracy. But it didn't have any authority over the individual rights of the people. Not until you started applying for benefits and contracting with it. And becoming a person. That's what you are now. You're a U.S. citizen, a person. You've, you've been demoted to the status of a corporation except for you die and are subject to inheritance tax. When does a corporation pay, for, pay inheritance tax? It doesn't because it doesn't die. It doesn't pay corp, uh, uh, inheritance tax. It doesn't die. It keeps on living. You know, Ford Corporation still there. Ford's dead, but... Corporation still there, never paid inheritance tax. It has a decided disadvantage, and you gave it to them while you were going in church and singing. You gave corporations higher status than you, and that's why the corporate powers are there because of your sloth. You tempted them by your sloth, just like Saul was tempted by the sloth of the people who rejected God. This is why your tyrants raise up, is because you're slothful. You're not coming together. The church allowed people to come together and take care of one another so that they were a separate body. And if you read the definitions of a republic, a republic, a pure republic, the people are separate from its government. That's right. And their government is titular, in name only. It has no power. Why? Because the people are exercising their responsibilities. You don't do that. You go down there and vote for a new king every so many years. Whether it's your prime minister, your president, or whatever, he's your king for the next four years or whatever. They're, you know, I'm talking to all the different countries. I'm not politically active in any one particular country. I'm I'm active in seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. But the reason you fall prey to this is you lack virtue. You're not attending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Who said that? Who said those are the weightier matters? Christ did. But your preacher doesn't tell you about that. You're supposed to be tending to law, justice, mercy, and faith? Faith? Faith is in there with seeking law, justice, and mercy. You tell me you have faith in Christ? Well, then you must be tending to law, justice, and mercy. You're not. You give that job to somebody else. And you go off and watch the football game. Or go to the Hobbit. Or whatever it is that you're distracting yourself with. You should be slaves. You should be in bondage because you've been slothful. Now, some of you I know want to wake up 
Some of you want to do what's right. But if you're not coming together with others to seek this on a national and international basis, then you're missing it. And you're missing it bad. And you need to repent. You need to turn around. You need to go the other way. And we're going to talk about some of those other ways and how to go those other ways when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. So you guys start thinking about it. Maybe I'll, I won't be so hard on you. But I might be. <laughs> I'll be back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about this short list of uh, four items that you need in order to help establish a free government. When this this list was handed out on this group, we had an atheist who came on and said that, oh, no, you don't need this. Uh, How is this even related to the purposes of the group, which is to have smaller government and uh, uh, with less taxes? And uh, that's... That's what that individual was interested in, smaller government and less taxes. And on the surface, I, I'm all for that. Actually, though, in in one sense, because I understand the true nature of government, especially a government of the people, for the people, and by the people, in such a government, you have a bigger government. That's right. When the government is in hands of the people, the government is huge. It's everybody. Everybody's the government. You're the government, and they're not. What's happening is where you ha- you don't have a bigger government. You have a uh, you have a government that rules over you because you're slothful, and so therefore this small group of men rule over you. But in order for them to continue to do that, they become more and more autocratic, more and more authoritarian, and yet then they grow bigger and they start taking more and more and more. And that's what's so interesting about that First Samuel. Uh, chapter 8, where he says, uh, if you go and elect a leader that can exercise authority, which is what they were asking for, that that is a rejection of God. That's right. Every time you go out on the polls and elect a leader who can exercise authority, you're rejecting God. Your vote is a rejection of God, according to First Samuel. He said, but we've got to do something because these leaders... Well, you've, you've got to back up from the problem farther to see what you've created. You've created this golem, this, this huge clay-contracted monster called a vast bureaucracy. And it's going around devouring who it will. And you know how you kill a golem? Uh, there, there's actually there's a little... Uh, Golem is a big clay monster and it's in Jewish folklore and it's created by clay and it becomes this monster. And actually what they're talking about is a corporation. And the United States federal government is a corporation. You know, and the governments of Canada and Australia and all these, they're all corporations. They are not corporations of, like the corporation down there like Ford and, and, uh, the Guggenheim Foundations and these other corporations there, but they are two or more people gathered together for a particular purpose under a pre-existing authority, like Canada is under the authority of the Queen. 
and the United States may be under the authority of the Queen as well. But it's certainly not under the people's authority. The people don't even really elect the leaders. But without getting too complicated, basically, you've created this giant monster and he devours who he will. And, and they would put a, a piece of paper in the mouth and there, uh, it had a particular Hebrew word on it. And if you take one letter off, it becomes another word. If you put that letter back on, it becomes another word. And I won't tell you what word that is. But that's how you kill the golem. And it has to do with the word truth. You need to have the truth. You need to hear the whole truth and prepare for it. And that's exactly what Patrick Henry said when he spoke against the Constitution and he spoke against the uh, tyranny of uh, Great Britain. And you need to know the whole truth. So anyway, let's. Uh, th this person, this atheist, couldn't see how this was related. These these four items, and the first one was natural law. And of course, as I said, if you if you're operating with natural law, you would not need the hundreds of thousands of statutes that are ruling over you now because law would be decided by simple basic precepts. You know, don't steal, don't uh, lie, uh, which has to do with bearing false witness and cheating people by bearing false witness. You don't need all the laws about false advertising and all that stuff. You just need it. Well, he didn't tell the truth. He's. Uh, I rule in the favor of the guy who was being honest and responsible. You don't lie, you don't steal, you don't murder, you don't injure other people. and But in order to depend upon a jury of your peers to decide fact and law, you need to find ten virtuous men. <laughs> Finding ten virtuous men, that may be a trick. Because, you know, as I was saying earlier, everybody's sending their kids to public school. They're not virtuous people. That's right, you're not virtuous. You say, I want to have an education for my child at the expense of my neighbor, and I'm going to send men out to his house and force him to contribute to my school. Most of the schools in America were private schools until the 1900s. Most people educated their children at their own expense, and they provided for the poor as well. And we had 95% literacy. In 1776. It's better than what we have today. Uh, we ought to consider what is the end of government before we determine which is the best form. Upon this point, all speculative politicians will agree that the happiness of society is the end of government. As all divines and moral philosophers will agree that the happiness of the individual is the end of man. All sober inquiries after truth, ancient and modern, pagan and Christian, have declared the happiness of man as well as his dignity consists in virtue. Now that was from a paper by John Adams. Now this this atheist was against this guy mentioning religion, and he says, "Oh, you're going to circum uh, circumvent uh, the Constitution by bringing your religion into our schools." 
Well, our schools is completely contrary to what men like Adams and uh, Madison were thinking. Madison warned against the education being in the hands of the government. Yeah, they wanted you to have schools, but they wanted you to build them individually. You know, he, he did set aside land that was unclaimed by anybody else and said that the government claims this land, it needs to provide that for schools. But it was already unclaimed land. It wasn't like it was taking out of anybody else's pocket. But they were to set aside land for schools because he knew schools were important. But he wanted you to build them. Even the early public schools that we hear talk about, people will say, oh, well, they had a public school in Massachusetts back then. Most of the funds that supported that public school were privately provided. There was small, some money that was provided through taxation of tobacco. And I, I oppose that. I think that was opening the, the tent to the camel. You need to build your own schools. You need to provide the education of your children. And you need to do it through faith, hope, and charity, which is what Christ was preaching. You cannot have a free government unless you love your neighbor's rights as much as you love your own. And that uh, atheist, conservative, closet liberal actually cares about her free education more than she cares about private rights. Or she wouldn't be advocating public schools. You have public schools and a government that can take away from your neighbor in order to provide that. Before you know it, the government will want to take away your guns so that when they go to the houses to take away the people's money and take away your sons and daughters, that they aren't met with people with guns. So they'll want to take away your guns. And to get you used to not having guns, the first thing to do is take away all the guns in the schools. Now, somebody sent me a picture this morning of uh, a teacher lining the kids up to go into a school and she was carrying a rifle on her back. The teacher was. She was in Israel. <laughs> they had trouble with violence in the schools. And they told all the teachers, arm yourself. Bring your guns. They're all in the military anyway and they brought their guns and the violence stopped. Like I said, they they wouldn't have been entering into the school to shoot up all those kids and people uh, if everybody was armed. I mean, they didn't go to the rifle range to do this. They didn't go to the gun show and try that. They go, went where they knew there wasn't anybody else with guns because they're cowards. You want to end the violence? Get a gun. It won't end the violence either, but it will cut it back. I mean, every place they outlaw guns... Violent crimes go up. That's that's just statistically, that's the way it happens. You know, why do you think that outlawing guns is going to bring peace? Did outlawing alcohol bring sobriety? Alcoholism went up during Prohibition. Has outlawing drugs gotten rid of drugs? It's just made it lucrative to have a black market. The same will be true of guns. If you outlaw guns, you're going to have more violence. I mean, that's why Hitler wanted to outlaw guns. He wanted to make it safe for the bureaucracy that was going to exercise authority over the people. So anyway, Adam says the most important thing is virtue. Virtue. Did you when you well, we'll get to that, the definition of virtue. You think about it till we get to that. If virtue and knowledge 
are diffused amongst the people, they will never be enslaved. This will be their great security. That was Samuel Adams in our sacred honor. If you want to look it up, he wrote that way back. You can find it in the letters uh, to James Warren. Um, virtue and knowledge, and you'll never be enslaved. Well, you're not a virtuous people, and you're not very knowledgeable. And so you have become enslaved. And you want to believe that you're free. So like Ghost says, you're going to be hopelessly enslaved as long as you think that. And Christ came to set you free. Moses came to set you free. This goes for Jew, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, and Christian. Any form of Christianity. God wants you to be free people under His authority only. He doesn't want you killing and murdering. He doesn't want you taking. And He doesn't want you coveting your neighbor's goods through a socialist state. You cannot be a socialist and a Christian. You cannot really be a socialist and a Buddhist. You can't be a socialist and a Muslim. You cannot be a socialist and a Jew. And That's what's amazing is that Israel is a socialist state. Heavy progressive income tax on land and labor. That's usury. Income tax is usury. It's a use tax. You're taxed on the use of your own labor. These are bad things. They're against Christ's policies. And I'm preaching Christ. And you need to understand that. Now, that doesn't mean don't pay your taxes. You may owe your tally of bricks. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. I'm saying start getting unaddicted to the benefits that those taxes provide. Keep providing them for those people who need them, but you start learning to do without them. Yes, that's going to be difficult. But not if you come together with faith, hope, and charity. God will run out and meet you. You're telling me it's a long way back home. I don't want to walk all that far. Well, you're a prodigal son. That's the only way you're going to get back. Like I said, if you turn around, God will meet you. It will take a miracle to save you now. The country is in such a mess. The world is in such a mess. Thomas Jefferson warned, Dependence begets subservience in venality. Suffocates the germ of virtue and prepares fit tools for the designs of ambition. You become fit for nothing but tyrants because you cannot sustain yourself as a society through faith, hope, and charity because you aren't being what Christ said to be, fruitful. God said, be fruitful and multiply. Christ said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you, talking to the Pharisees, and I'm going to appoint it to another, which he did, the apostles, who would bear fruit. And the early church bore fruit. And as Rome collapsed, they survived and thrived. I do not think you will survive and thrive unless you start doing what Christ said. They formed a network that reached from Ireland to to Africa. From the Far East to Spain. Christians were everywhere. Taking care of themselves. Taking back their responsibilities. And as Rome collapsed, they were, that was okay. 
they had their own system. Completely independent. Completely independent. Liberty must at all hazards be supported. Who do you think saying that? Who do you think would say something like that? Liberty must be supported. What what is what is do you does anybody even know what the, your so called forefathers were talking about? Not if you went to public school. Liberty must at all hazards be supported. We have a right to it derived from our maker in God given rights endowed by our creator. But if we had not, our fathers have earned and brought and bought it for us at the expense of their ease, their estates, their pleasure, and their blood. He's talking about the people who came here to America and faced the wilderness, carved a nation out of that wilderness. Worked with the Indians. Helped the Indians. And helped each other. Yeah, there were some that were oppressive. But that was spoken against time and time again by the righteous. And that's the righteous that made this country great. They were taking care of themselves and taking care of their families and taking care of their neighbors' needs through faith, hope, and charity. He writes that in uh, a dissertation on the canon and federal law, 1765. Uh, actually, I said federal law. I meant feudal law. Federal is the comes from uh, the word feudal, French word for feudal. But that's John Adams saying that. That's where your rights come from, from God. And so if you give up your rights in exchange for benefits, you you are throwing God's gift away. That's why I say you're spitting in the face of Christ. If you take your responsibilities to raise your children, fathers, teach thy sons, it says. It doesn't say fathers, hire somebody to go to your neighbor's house, take money away from them to build a big fancy building and give the responsibility of educating your children to people you don't even know. And people who will throw my name out of their school. And people say, oh, that's what we have to do is get God's name back in the school. Get God's word, get prayer back in the school. No, get out of the school. The premise of public education is anti-Christ. It is forcing your neighbor to pay for your child's education. Get out of the schools. Period. Step back all the way, the whole truth. You can't be going to public education and saying, if we just say prayers in here, God will hear us. He already said that if you look to men who exercise authority to provide you with safety and security, that I will not hear you in that day. So even if you got to pray in your school, you're still abandoning Christ. We have to become doers of the word. Like I said in Matthew 7.21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. 
He's telling you, you have to become a doer. You will not be able to do enough. But you have to become that doer. And then by grace, He will save you. Because what you do will not be enough. But anybody saying you don't have to do anything but believe, they're a liar. They're satanic. They're an adversary of Christ because Christ said you had to be a doer. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will like him unto a wise man, which built his house upon the rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. These are principles you need to understand. This is the list that Christ gave you. You need to become a virtuous people and stop acting so unvirtuously. We should do a whole show on doers because we could take two hours and still won't have read every single quote in Old and New Testament. In New Testament alone, we could fill up an hour easy of all the places that says that you have to be a doer. You have to do. You have to keep the commandments. You have to. You have to turn around now, folks. Come together. Turn around. Start doing what Christ said. Third item in the list. The first item was natural law. And natural law is basically the law of nature and nature's God. You have to start doing things the way God said. And that would do away with the statutes. That would do away with the bureaucracy. That would do away with public schools. You you wouldn't even need local police department. Because you guys would all be police. That's That's the way that works. You're taking back your responsibility. You're not saying you be in the law enforcement and I'll go watch TV. You're saying... And I can show you examples. The drugs were rampant in a black neighborhood back in New York. And there was violence in the street and everything. And the black Muslims, okay, we're talking the black Muslims, put on their suits, put on their heights, put on uh, their hats and their ties. And they went over there and preached their gospel to the drug dealers. And they left the street. <laughs> they went somewhere else. They found another block where people weren't active and the streets cleaned up. You could drive through the neighborhood and you'd see it looked like war zone, war zone, war zone. All of a sudden you come to this one block and it's absolutely clean. There was no garbage around. The trees were you know, green. Uh, people's houses were cleaned up. There was nobody getting shot. Uh, everything looked neat. And you thought, like, what the heck? What happened on this street? People actually stood up, got responsible. Even black Muslims can do that. How come you Christians can't do that? You can go. To, I'll bet you how many Christians would you find on those streets with all the violence and, and the drug dealing in the, the ghetto? The cops aren't going to come and do it, so they started doing it themselves. And then that actually spread to other parts of the community. And that's the way you have to do it. And But you have to work at it. Somebody don't Don't expect somebody else to go and do it all. Now, we got a network that's actually growing. We have a huge amount of people on the network that are doing nothing. But we have other people that are, will actually sacrifice for one another. 
And we're looking for the shepherds. We're not looking for the sheep. Because Christianity is to be the shepherd of the nations. We are to show the whole nations how, how to do this. We have to do it ourselves. Christendom is a nation of shepherds. There are no sheep in the kingdom. Only shepherds. But we will we will serve the sheep. But the sheep need to be good sheep. You know, we used to have black-faced sheep. We don't have any black-faced sheep anymore. <laughs> they all got eaten by somebody. Why Why am I saying black-faced sheep? Because black-faced sheep are not gregarious. They don't stick together. They wander off. They're like woolly pigs. They do their own thing. The white-faced sheep, the range sheep, they stick together. It makes the job of the shepherd much easier. So we're going to talk about some of these uh, other advices given to us by men like uh, Thomas Jefferson and everything. But we're going to look at the three and four when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God, and we're talking about the list, and this is only a four-item list, and we spent one hour in the previous show already talking about the first two items, and so we're going to talk about the second two items in the second hour. (laughs) And, you know, I've got enough notes here. I'm writing an article for newswithviews.com, and it'll be up there called The List. And it will cover these items with a little bit more detail in some ways. Uh, And maybe not with me beating you up all the time about the fact that you have strayed from the ways of the kingdom. But the first item on the list, just to review, was natural law. We had to return to this uh, human relationship through natural law. And most people don't understand what that is. Natural law is right reason. It's what is also called divine law. It is... uh, 
not necessarily through revelation, but just through observation, because does not nature teach you these things? And most people are completely unversed in this because they went to public school and they have no idea what natural law is really all about. But clearly we had men like Thomas Jefferson explaining to us as early as 1774 that uh, uh, natural law was a key element to our freedom as opposed to statutory law and contract law and uh, making, you know, we talk about contract law. Civil law is a contract law. And you become subject to civil law by agreement, by contract, uh, by servanda pacta sunt. Agreements must be kept. And usually they get you to sign into this because they offer you benefits. And this is the way it's been since before Christ, before Moses. And that's why you had the Ten Commandments that said, Thou shalt make no covenants with them nor with their gods. Their gods being ruling judges. And uh, this is why Jefferson says something like, uh, Free people claim their rights as derived from the law of nature and not as a gift of their chief magistrate. The word God that you see in the Old Testament and New Testament is the word for magistrate. That's what you talk when you went into court at the time of Christ. You went into court at the time of Moses. You would address the judge as God. That's literally what the word meant. Now we've we say that it's only supposed to refer to deities that are you know uh, some sort of pagan god or or God the Father and that's the only but no you would make gods of men that's why Paul talks about gods many is that these are the guys who tell you what you can do right and wrong they ju- they decide good and evil for you and they have the power to do that because you contract with them and that's why we wrote the book Covenants of the Gods. Uh, this is how they become gods. It's very simple to understand. It's right there in the biblical text. All you have to do is look at it with your eyes open. But getting your eyes open, that's the trick. Getting the scales off, that's the trick. Uh, item two was uh, free people cannot survive under a Republican constitution unless they remain virtuous and morally strong. Now, let's just break that down to a free people cannot survive. Unless they are virtuous and morally strong. And if you look up the definition of the word virtue, the definition of the word virtue is including the word righteous. And that's why Christ said that you had to seek righteousness. Now the definition of the word virtue is moral excellence, goodness, righteousness. And that's exactly what it is. And that's what we should be that's why Christ said seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the preachers who tell you all you have to do is believe you don't have to seek anything you don't have to seek righteousness you don't have to tend to the weightier matters of law judgment and mercy and faith faith those preachers are preachers of satan that's right they're preachers of satan and stop giving them money stop paying them to tell you lies and seduce you into apathy. Start becoming a doer of the word. Uh, repent of those false preachers. Get away from them. Start taking back your responsibilities, which includes those natural rights that God gave you. Okay, now we're on to item three. The most promising method of securing 
a virtuous and morally stable people is to elect virtuous leaders. Well, that sounds great. All we have to do is elect virtuous leaders. The problem is, you have just put your faith in democracy. You've just thought that you can actually elect virtuous leaders because most of the people in your country are virtuous people. Well, that may have been true at one time in America when most of the people were educating their children at their own personal expense in private education and at home. But now that most of the people think it's okay to force their neighbor to pay for their child's education at the point of a gun, and therefore I can dump the kids at public school, I've actually heard parents say, I can't wait till school starts and get these kids out of my house. We have become a selfish nation, not a virtuous nation, not a moral excellence, goodness, and righteousness. And so, therefore, how can you even expect virtuous leaders to be elected? And then, if we dissect that whole statement, what do you mean leaders? Because there's lots of leaders. Are these leaders rulers? Can they make law? Can they take away your sons and your daughters, draft them? Because if they can, you you are already not a virtuous person. You have already rejected God and given somebody the power to take your sons and daughters. And if it's not your sons and daughters anymore. I mean, they've provided for the welfare of your children, so therefore they are the new father. They take care of your children's education. They take care of the WIC programs. They take care of his welfare and his health care. So they're the daddy, and you're not. Is there any wonder that most children are, are raised without fathers in their homes? Most homes are fatherless in America today. Well, you don't need those fathers. We got the state. The state will take care of them. And Jesus said, Call no man on earth father but my father in heaven. And But your father in heaven said, Honor thy father and thy mother. What he was talking about, and everybody, everybody in the audience listening to Christ at that time knew exactly what Jesus was saying. It was a hard thing for them to receive. But they knew exactly what he was saying. I don't hardly know a Christian today statistically speaking, that knows what Jesus was saying when he said, call no man on earth father. And it's really simple. It is so simple. It's right in front of you. The word in the Greek is the word patri. At that time, every senator of Rome was addressed as patri Cicero or patri Seneca. And he's saying, call no man on earth senator. Patri meaning father. Father Cicero. Father Seneca. Even the emperor himself was called Patronus, which means our father. And if you wanted free bread, all you had to do is pray to our father who art in Rome. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come when thy will be done on earth as it is in Rome. But Jesus said, no. Don't pray to your father in Rome. And that would also mean your father in Washington, D.C. Don't pray to him. Because he's not going to give you anything except what he takes away from your neighbor. 
So are you electing leaders or rulers? Because if you're electing rulers, you've already rejected God. Now, I know some of you are out there trying to elect leaders who are leaders, but you're electing them to an office of ruler. It's not the answer. You can do that if you want. It's a free country. The answer is to look out amongst yourselves and pick men who only want to be leaders, setting a good example. They want to be servant leaders, not ruling leaders. And that's what the church is supposed to be. Servant leaders. Leading you in service. Not not sitting up there and in choir practice singing songs. Worshiping God means taking care of one another. Loving your neighbor as yourself. Providing the welfare of your society through faith, hope, and charity. And that's what the church should be doing. And that's what the church is not doing. The church is lulling you to sleep. Wake up. Pick ministers who are leaders in virtue, in righteousness. They want to get you out of public school. They want to get you out of uh, benefits at the expense of your neighbor. They want you to return to the ways of Christ. That's the kind of leaders you need. I'll read it one more time. The most promising method of securing a virtuous and morally stable people is to elect virtuous servant leaders. I added the word servant there to the original text because that's what you need. But you don't have... Your public servants aren't servants. They're rulers. They exercise authority one over the other. And Jesus said it was not to be that way with you. But it is. So you're doing contrary to what Jesus said. Jefferson also said, Experience hath shown that even under the best forms of government, those entrusted with power have in time and by slow operation perverted it into tyranny. Which is exactly where you were. The best form of government was a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. But you have turned it into a government of tyranny because you have elected men who can exercise authority one over the other. John Adams said, Remember, democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. There never was a democracy yet that did not commit suicide. That's where you're at today. You're committing suicide. Right before my eyes, you're committing suicide. And there's nothing I can do about it except for say, stop, repent, turn around, go the other way. On the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And But we will show you how to do this. Join the Living Network. At hisholychurch.org. Join that. Go there. Find the guy with a net. Join the Living Network. But don't just join and say, Okay, now you guys do it and I'll just watch. And if you guys do anything really cool, I, I want to be a part of that. You have to come wanting to be a doer. Are you a doer? Another word? Or do you just want to hear and listen 
and do nothing. The kingdom of heaven does not come through observations. It comes through doing the will of the Father. His fourth item was, without religion, the government of a free people cannot be maintained. Now that's a loaded statement. That's a loaded statement. Anyway, uh, without religion, the government of a free people cannot be maintained. Now the atheist gets all upset at that because they think religion is what you guys are doing in church regularly. You know, uh, you get your doctrines. I'm, I've I've read just about every doctrine of every church I could get my hands on over the years, and I am absolutely shocked at the number of doctrines of the church, or you know, their their official doctrines of the church have very little to do with Christ. Very little to do with what he said to do. It's just shocking. Uh, you know, and, and we could go over that, but it would take you more shows than I care to do. The reality is we're just going to go over what Christ said. You know, at, uh, at our gatherings, we have one doctrine. And that's what Christ said. If Christ didn't say it, it isn't our doctrine. And the fact is, a lot of people say, well, what about what Paul said? Well, Paul did not disagree with Christ. Your understanding of Paul disagrees with Christ. Because you've, one of the major problems is you removed the word kingdom from the gospel of the kingdom. And that's what it was called. The gospel of the kingdom. When they talk about the gospel, they're talking about the gospel of the kingdom. And the kingdom was at hand. And these are the ones that say there is another king, one Jesus. And they were the princes of a government. That did not exercise authority one over the other. And that's the way they operated in the first century church. As a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. Through the perfect law of liberty, by faith, hope, and charity. They took care of all the social welfare needs of their society. Through faith, hope, and charity alone. If they needed education, they worked it out amongst themselves. To help each other learn what they needed to learn. And they became the smartest and brightest, most self-sufficient people on the face of the earth. And even during the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, they survived and thrived. But you have to be, it's only for doers. It's not for hearers only. And then, not only that, but the the character of that society is almost self-sustaining under any conditions. But, of course, if the conditions are really bad, which they are about to become, you're going to need divine intervention. But that divine intervention will not come if you've already rejected God. And you have. I've been in violent situations where men wanted to kill me. Lots of them. More than I could have ever fought off. Actually, the the guys right in the front, I couldn't have fought them off. They were all bigger than me. And there was near... There was over a hundred of them. I mean, there was. I mean, it was just it filled the whole street, out into the street, wide sidewalk, everything. And they looked at me like they wanted to kill. And they all stepped back out of the way. It was like the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, it was it was spooky. But those people weren't at that public school where those kids got shot. They weren't there. They couldn't stop that man. I just got an email this morning from a guy who was a teacher in public school back there for years. 
And uh, he says that his first year, I think it was his first year, could have been his, oh, yeah, it was his first year in school. And uh, as a teacher, a student lifted up a gun and pointed it at him. 22 re- revolver. Pointed it right at him and pulled the trigger. And it didn't go off. And he reached out his hand and he said, give me the gun. And the kid handed him the gun. His presence there demanded that the gun be handed to him. And the kid handed him the gun. And he put it in his desk and continued the class. And uh, later on when he brought it into that main office, he says that the secretary in there saw him bringing in the gun held open in his palm to turn it into the main office and she runs out screaming. And those are the people who get shot. <laughs> they just they 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 don't have the presence of character to stop this. I mean, the fact is is there is a power that comes with doing what Christ says. Now, it doesn't mean that you have total immunity to being shot. You could be shot. But the fact is is that you know, you're already dead if you're not doing what Christ said. So what does it mean without religion? Religion, like I said, is only five times mentioned in the Bible, the word religion, and four of those times it's in a derogatory sense, and only one time it's in a good sense. Religion in the Bible. But it says that religion is pure pure religion. is taking care of the needy of your society without the constitutional orders and systems of government. And if you don't believe me, go read our article on the website called Pure Religion. Just look it up on the website. There's a search engine on there and read it. And you'll find out what pure religion is. Social Security is a religious system exactly like the religious system set up by Herod that made the word of God to none effect. All your welfare systems in the United States and in Canada and and Great Britain and Australia are religious systems. It's how you take care of the needy of your society. They're all run through your temples. Those government buildings are your temples, just like the Temple of Saturn was the Bureau of Vital Statistics in Rome. That's what it was, the Temple of Saturn. Christians didn't register the birth of their children in the Temple of Saturn because the only reason you register there is to get the benefits that they offer, and their benefits were offered their benefits were offered by these benefactors who exercised authority. They taxed somebody, they invaded some country, and they got funds in order to provide you with welfare. And because they did that, they had funds to give you benefits. This was all run through their government temple buildings. And if you want benefits from that temple... They're available. If you want benefits from God, you have to go to a temple that operates by faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty. And that's what the early Christians were doing. And once you understand that that's what Paul was talking about, and the God's many that you're not to go to, then Paul begins, you realize that Paul's talking about what Christ is talking about. Just to give you an example, everywhere that Christ uses a word that is translated love, when Christ uses it, when Paul uses the same exact word, they translate it charity. 
Why is charity so important? Paul says it's the most important. Because without that, you got nothing. Christ will not enter into you because charity, in essence, is giving of yourself. Willingly choosing to give of yourself. Is that not the message of Christ? That he came to willingly give of himself in service to others? If you aren't doing that, I'm not talking about giving so that your pastor can have a bigger car or you can have a bigger screen TV in your church. I'm talking about giving so that others may hear the gospel of the kingdom. Giving so that others may live at your expense. But be strengthened by that giving. You can't just give. You have to give to those ministers who are interested in strengthening the people. Strengthening what in the people? Virtue. This is why they say, if you don't work, you don't eat. If you're not a giver, why should we give to you? When when a hurricane or an earthquake comes and devastates you, and you've only given $50 over five years, why should we give you any more than $50 of our time? Why should we? You're not a giver. Why should we encourage your sloth? We would be doing you a disservice. We would be doing contrary to Christ. We're here to give in a way that makes you stronger. And the best way to do that is to give you truth with every dollar we give you. You are undeserving of this gift, but we will give it to you. So that you learn that giving is important. Forgiving is important. We forgive your sloth. We forgive your laziness. We forgive your stinginess. And we help you out anyway. And we pray that you will awaken to the fact that you must be a giver also. Because Christ was a giver. When Peter worried about his coat having been taken, Jesus was going to give him his own coat. How how are you close to what Christ was? Because that's what you need to do. If, if Christ is going to live in you, you must be like Christ. You aren't like Christ, and so therefore you have to admit when you're not like Christ in order to get better. Benjamin Franklin said, A nation of well-informed men who have been taught to know and prize the rights which God has given them cannot be enslaved. It is the region of ignorance that tyranny begins. And that's what we have become. We're ignorant of the fact that we should not be taking away from our neighbor to get benefits. We're ignorant of the fact that we should not be praying to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. We're ignorant of the fact that we should not be making the state our father. We're ignorant of the fact that we should not put our family first, but never forget our neighbor's family. Because we have to love our neighbor's family as much as we love our own. Do you love your neighbor's children as much as you love your own? This country is on the brink of disaster. This world is on the brink of disaster. What are you doing to prepare? Are you are you creating a little hideaway? A little safe place that you can take you and your family and a few other people that you gather around you to protect you? Are you thinking kingdom? 
Are you thinking kingdom of God? A kingdom of virtuous people. A kingdom uh, that blesses all nations and is a shepherd to all nations and shows and demonstrates the ways of Christ that a nation can survive by faith, hope, and charity alone. It does not need to result to force and fear and violence and systems of Corbin that take away the rights of your neighbors so that you may have benefits. We need to repent of that. We need to turn around and go another way. The system that you have created is a coveting system. and Ye have been made merchandise, human resources. You have been brought back into the bondage of Egypt. All you have to do is start coming together with other people. Coming together not to espouse some religious philosophy that has nothing to do with taking care of your neighbor. But espousing the doctrines of Christ. We should go over some of those. Thomas said, uh, Thomas Paine said in Rights of Man, back in 1792, a nation under a well-regulated government should permit none to remain uninstructed. It is monarchical and aristocratical government only that requires ignorance for its support. But does that mean he's advocating that you take away from your neighbor to educate? Actually, in his old age, he began to think some of those things and wrote some things along those lines as far as taking care of the needy and actually taxing people to, to take care of the aged. But he repented of it, never published it, although other people have published it since, saying that he was for it. You should have an educated society, but you need to take the responsibility of educating them yourselves, not to create a socialist state in which you force your neighbor to educate, because then, next thing you know, government is in control of what your children are going to learn. And I have a collection of school books that shows that what they're learning now in schools is not what they used to teach a hundred years ago. And you're not going to get the same results. You're not going to get a greater nation. You're going to get a weaker subservient nation and that's what you got and then you're going to give them the vote and like Adam says your democracy that you have created for yourselves because that's not what they originally intended your democracy will self-destruct and you see it self-destructing right before your eyes going to cut the budget Billions and billions of dollars and needed to cut the budget. And they're going to cut a few pennies. And that's it. And you're bankrupt. And your children are bankrupt. And in debt forever. The only salvation they have is the collapse of the system. Will they survive that collapse? Not if they haven't repented and turned around and gone the ways of Christ. We'll be back in a few minutes. And we'll talk about some more of those solutions.
Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we're talking about a lot of the things that uh, help set a nation free. And uh, a lot of the things that helps bring a nation into bondage. And uh, we were talking about the list. list of things that will help set you free. And a list of things that will help bring you into bondage. The things that will set you free are talked about by Christ probably more than any of the other prophets of the Bible. He demonstrated what is necessary to be a free people under God. And he calls that being a free people under God. The kingdom of God. The right to be ruled by God. And most of the people today do not have the right to be ruled by God because they have gone whoring after other gods. And they went a-whoring after those other gods in order to obtain benefits. He that would make his own liberty secure must guard even his enemy from oppression. For if he violates this duty, he establishes a precedent that will reach to himself. Proverbs tells us this over and over again. That's Thomas Paine in the Dissertations of First Principles of Government. That you cannot oppress the the stranger in your midst, which is what Moses said. Jesus said, "You to love thy enemy, you love your neighbor as yourself, but you even to love your enemy and forgive your enemy." But that doesn't mean to encourage him to do wrong. It's not to strengthen your enemy. It's to love him, and what what more? to love there is than to truth. Today, most Americans think we should destroy our enemy. We should kill them, bomb them, uh, annihilate them. But that's not what Christ said. Cause, but most most Americans are not Christians. They're not doing what Christ said. They're doing something else entirely different. And the preachers are saying, yeah, but you're Christians because you believe. But you're not doing what Christ said. So you're not Christians. And I'm telling you that. But I'm telling you, you can become a Christian by turning around and doing something different. Benjamin Franklin says, He that goes a-borrowing goes a-sorrowing. And that's absolutely true. And why are we quoting these men? Because we're talking about government. And now the Bible tells us the same thing. Be not a borrower or a lender. You're not supposed to be doing that. You either give or not give. You don't create debt. You don't try to make men indebted to you so that you can profit from their shortcoming. And you certainly don't loan things to people so that they can indulge in self-indulgence. A just security of property is not afforded by that government under which unequal taxes oppress one species of property... And reward another species. Okay, one species of property. What's a species of property? That's James Madison. Well, you have to understand how these guys talk and think. He also says in his, uh, the National Gazette essay of March 27, 1792, which was a couple of days before the March 29th publication, essay on property, he had already said, as a man is said to have a right 
to his property, he may be equally said to have a property in his rights. Where an excess of power prevails, property of no sort is duly respected. No man is safe in his opinions, his person, his faculties, or his possessions. Christ had a different plan in mind. God has had a different plan in mind. From the beginning, God wants you to have a right in your family, a possession in your family. He, his whole intention was to return every man to his possessions and every man to his family. Is that where we are today? Is that what we have been doing today in the world today? Are we returning every man to his possession and every man to his family? Leviticus 25.10 And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim it liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you and ye shall return every man unto his possession and ye shall return every man unto his family. Because family is the core of society. When the fellow who made the original short list mentioned family, they said people started saying, "Well, you, are, I suppose you think you have the right to parenting uh, lecture us on parenting skills." These are the people who believe in public education. They're not parenting their children. They turn that over for a large portion of every day to somebody else that they don't even really know. Someone who is regulated by people they have never met. Who are teaching them information in books written by people they don't even have the slightest clue of. And like I said, in the, in the collection of history books that I have, in the collection of school books that I have, because I have math books as well, you can see that things are changing constantly in education. They're dumbing them down. I, I couldn't find high school students who could answer correctly the first five questions in a fifth grade math book from 1945. Fifth grade, first questions in that book, fifth grade math book, in 1945, I could not find one high school student who could answer all five questions correctly. Most of them couldn't answer any of them. Or they, I, I'd say maybe most could get one or two, but they couldn't get a passable score of a fifth grade first questions in a fifth grade math book amazing shocking and and this is worse in America than anywhere else they knew they had to bring America down they knew they had to bring America down and they have been working diligently on America that's why you can find in some of these other countries even the socialist countries that the kids are scoring so much higher because they haven't been working on those countries. They're, I mean, you know, who's who's worries about Norway? You know, like they're not going to stop tyranny in the world today. They couldn't even stop the Germans in World War Two. And I'm Norwegian, and I'll say that. Not that there aren't great people in all these countries. There's great people in America. There's great people in the false churches of today. 
But nobody is preaching the true gospel of the kingdom. Nobody is saying, make straight the way of the Lord. They're saying, don't even worry about the way. You're already saved just because you said some magic words. It's, it's abomination. And there's a horrible price to pay. And your children are going to die. And they're going to starve. And they're going to be murdered. And nobody's going to be there to protect them. Because you've been slothful for years and years and years. And you've been going into debt for years and years and years. And you just keep on going and you don't think, well, what am I supposed to do? My candidate didn't win. So, you don't get it. It's not about candidates. It's about what you do. It's about being a part of the rock. Following the ways of Christ. Christians have always been in the minority. They've never depended upon democracy to get the good leaders, the virtuous leaders elected. They elect their leaders locally and they network together and they created a network so that when they were cast out of Jerusalem and cast out of Rome, they had a place to go. Not just some little hideaway with one or two guys have set up somewhere, but they had an entire network that you could not put your finger on. Because it was everywhere. They had been building the underground church for years in Jerusalem. Sending out aid all over the known world to those who needed it and receiving it in return. Creating the relationships of faith, hope, and charity. Instead of the relationship of contracts, covenants, and constitutions. The relationships of force and by Until John the Baptist appeared. The kingdom of God was established by force by men like Herod who set up a social security system that forced everybody to contribute. That's antichrist. It makes the word of God to none effect. So can you imagine men who come together and will see to it that you do not starve, that you are not left abandoned, that become the faith emergency ministry auxiliary of Christ. These are men who stand up straight. They stand erect. They bow the knee to no man. But they come with knees bowed to Christ. They come to be righteous, even at their own expense. Those are the ones we seem to want to congregate with. We aren't looking for sheep. We're looking for shepherds. Because, as I said, the kingdom of God is to be the shepherds to all nations. To set the example of a righteous government that operates by that faith, by that hope, by that charity, that oppresses nobody. Is that what you're looking for? Then join with us. Be a part of what we are seeking to be a part of, which is the kingdom of God and the ways of Christ. That's what we're looking for. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Like I said in Matthew 12.50, it says, For whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. You congregate together to do that will. To love thy neighbor as thyself. 
Luke 6.31 And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Same principle. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say, whoever, whosoever cometh to me, and heareth my sayings, and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man that builds his a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. This is Luke. So Matthew, Luke, they're talking about doers. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. He says in Luke thirteen twenty four, For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able because they are not entering at the straight gate. They have bent the words of Christ to say it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods. They say that you don't have to be a doer. You don't have to strive. You just believe. Yes, you have to believe. You can't fake it. You can't earn it simply by striving. You have to believe. But if you really believe, there will be works. You will be doing it. You will not be doing contrary to it. And that's why I see this homeschooling movement. These are kingdom tracks. Home health movement. People taking back the responsibility for their health. So critical. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. This is what this atheist person is doing. And I, I love that atheist person. That's why I'm speaking, taking the time to speak the truth to them. That the ways of the public education system is the ways of darkness because they're contrary to the ways of Christ. The ways of love in your neighbor. You don't have public school because you love your neighbor. You, you could have a private school because you love your neighbor. It's because you want to force your neighbor, whether he wants to or not, to give so that you can have this free education. If it's good to have free education, why not keep the reins of control and do that? You've lost it in so many other aspects that you can't even open up a private school anymore without being regulated and having to have the same curriculums and the same false, twisted history books. I mean, I could do a hundred shows on the difference between the history books a hundred years ago and the history books today and show you how they are distorting and twisting it. So your kids are being graduated and they haven't got a clue what it said in the Constitution. They certainly don't know what... You know, most of the forefathers, uh, the people of America, were opposed to the Constitution because of all of its weaknesses and failings and, and disrespect for the laws that they already had. They opposed it. It would have been voted down by the people. But they were so desperate and they fought so hard and there was so much money behind it that it was adopted. But it fell short in four major areas. Way short in the ways that Christ said or God said that we should form a government. It was contrary from the beginning. But it's gotten worse and worse and worse and worse because it's turned exactly into what those men feared it would turn into. 
and you don't even know what they feared because they don't teach that. You know, I went to private schools 50 years ago. And even then, they were stopping doing it. They used to teach the the anti-federalist papers in school. You had to read those in school in history. The federalist papers and the anti-federalist papers. Those were the ones opposing the Constitution. Why? Because, and why should you read those? Because you will understand the dangers that they feared. But you don't, you, you didn't, even the uh, private schools were taking them out. The public schools didn't even have it anymore. And then now the teachers you have can't even explain what they were talking about. And I had an interesting thing. We don't have a lot of time left, but uh, somebody was, in the same group, they, they mentioned uh, somebody defames the Bible. And they say, oh, the Bible is terrible and everything. And they say, if you believe in fairy tales, you know, Christ didn't even exist and all these kind of goofy things. I've seen these ideas and doctrines creeping up uh, for the last 20, 30 years. And they, they point out and says, uh, if you're going to believe in the Bible, you got to believe in unicorns. And so I wrote back. I says, well, there are unicorns. Unicorns do exist, I wrote. They're called rhinoceroses. And, of course, the atheist immediately puns back and other people, well, it's going to be hard to talk with you if you believe in unicorns. And, I, you know, I said it the particular way because I knew they these are guys who already think they know. So their sin remains. Their confusion remains. Their darkness remains. Because they think that a unicorn is a mythical uh, horse-like creature with a horn sticking out of its head and flies around in some cases. Uh, and they believe that that's a unicorn. You can go back not that many years in a dictionary. Webster's Dictionary. And look up the word unicorn. And it says a unicorn is a rhinoceros. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, rhinoceros uh, unicorus. The one-horned rhinoceros. It's that's what If you looked up the word unicorn, that's what they would tell you. That's the meaning of the word. That's 200 years ago. Or not even a full 200 years ago. I mean, that dictionary was around for a long time. And the King James Bible used the word unicorn 400 years ago. Back in 1611. They weren't thinking of the mythical flying horse thing that you think of, the picture that you pops up in your head when it says a unicorn. You have to actually look these words up and find out. Even in the Latin, the word you see there is unicornus, which is the name for the one-horned rhinoceros. And they actually use the word rhinoceros in the Latin as well, to just what we see translated unicorn. And they're actually talking about both the two-horned uh, unicorn and the one horn unicorn in different places because it's mentioned about nine times in the Bible. Nowhere is it talking about a, a horse with a, <laughs> that you see on these uh, kids' t-shirts and in fairy tale books. I mean, there are books published in the last couple of years that referred to the return of the unicorn, which they're referring to the rhinoceros. That's what a unicorn is. And that's mentioned. And w- What's the context of the unicorn mentioned in the Bible? Can you harness the unicorn? Can you harness a rhinoceros? Do you want to hitch it to your plow? Will you put it in your barn? I would not advise putting a rhinoceros in your barn. (laughs) And if 
if you put hook him to your plow, you're going to plow the whole valley because he's going to go wherever he wants. <laughs> and that's what they're telling you. And it's in the Bible. And yet I still hear these guys, oh, you can't believe in the Bible because it believes in unicorns. It's ignorant people telling you that stuff. They don't even take the time to study and learn anything. They already have a preconceived notion that they want to discount everything in the Bible. And what does the Bible say? It says you have rights given to you by God. And that you should maintain those rights. And the way to maintain those rights is to love your neighbor, not oppress the stranger in your midst. To care about your neighbor's rights as much as you care about your own. And not covet your neighbor's goods in order to get benefits from your neighbor. Not to make contracts with men who want to exercise authority and become ruling leaders. But only go to men who want to be servant leaders. And don't give them the power to rule over anything except what you give them. And always maintain your right to decide if you're going to give to them next. Because you're the government and they're not. They are simply public servants. Titular public servants in a pure republic. Another thing the atheist said is that Israel was a theocracy. It wasn't a republic. Well, you can go right into all kinds of historians referred to Israel as one of the early republics. Was it a theocracy? Yeah, it was based on the Ten Commandments, which were laws supposedly given by God. But what were the penalties applied to the Ten Commandments? There were none. It just said, do this so that your days will be long upon the land. Do this because this is righteousness. The Levites couldn't force you to tithe to them. You tithe to them according to their service. That's what it says. They couldn't kick in your door if you didn't give a tithe. Entire nation run by public servants who were actually servants. Who actually tended to the tents of the congregation. The tabernacles of the congregation. Every house was a tabernacle. And they tended to them with what you freely gave them to do that with. And if they didn't do a good job, you didn't have to give to them next week. What theocracy. God ruled in the hearts of men who were virtuous. Exactly what Madison and Jefferson and Adams are talking about. If virtue is not in the hearts of the people, forget about being a free people. It's not going to happen. And most of the people in America, most of the people in the world today are no longer virtuous. We are breeding an army of unvirtuous people who want what they want and they want it at your expense and they want it now and they will send men to your house to bludgeon you to death to get it. And they call themselves a free people. And there's nothing you can do about it except repent and start being what you want everybody else to be. Start setting the example. And you will find yourself down on the shores of the Red Sea with the sea at your back and all the armies of the world coming down on you with everything they have to destroy you because you're a shining example of righteousness and they hate righteousness. But if you do that with a true and sincere heart, God will stand between you and them and the seas will part and the violent men will fall and tremble at your presence. Because behind you will be the power of God and before you will go that power of God if you go and walk according to His ways. If you want to be a survivalist, serve God. If you want to be a survivalist, do what Christ said. Stop trying to pad your little safety 
hideaway. Your little group, your little congregation, start thinking kingdom. Care about the rights of the people on the other side of the planet as much as you care about your own. Care about their children as much as you care about your own. And care about your own enough so that you educate your own. And keep them close to you. And show them the ways of God. Stop whoring after those that would rule over you and your neighbor. Despite what benefits they promise you. They promise you nothing but what they take away from others. Repent. Till next week, may peace be upon your house. And may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.